But uh, we're starting with a sermon series called The Art of Rest, and it's based on a book by Adam Mabry, who leads a church in Boston, um, I think it's Massachusetts, um, quite a thriving, vibrant church that reaches out to students, young adults, very much a similar environment like this. I don't think the people there are as cool as the people here. Um, I haven't been there, but I'm just assuming. But um, are you guys ready at the back? All right, so before I continue, I want to show you a short video just to give us a little bit of a vibe for the series. So faith to hit pause in a world that never stops. Um, so we'll, like I said, we're going to be preaching through this book called The Art of Rest, and it will be available to buy as well at the info table. I think there will be stock available next week. Um, but whom of you feel that this year has been running at about 180 to 220 kilometers an hour? Okay. Um, it's like in fast forward and we're just trying to play catch up. So if you didn't know, it's March <laughs> 2022. Huh? Who of you thought about that? 2022, guys. Oh, I still can't wrap my head around it. I matriculated in 2004 just to give you my age. Um, and 2022 um, seemed like a, a very, 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 very distant, distant thing in the future. Now we're here. Um, so we've decided to do a sermon series on rest in March, which doesn't really make sense. Normally you do this in November to say, guys, we're going to go into a time of rest over December so that you learn how to rest when you go on holiday, right? Okay, but we're intentionally doing it different because we need to learn how to rest because if we are just going from work to holiday, work to holiday, week to weekend, then you're not really resting, you're surviving, um, and if you're like anything like me, if you go into the December holiday, it takes you about two weeks just to switch off your brain. And then after the two weeks when your brain has finally switched off, you're like, oh, it's January. I have to go back to work again. <laughs> it's like, that was lacquer. <laughs> so what we try to do, and we've done it now the last two December holidays, is to at least for a couple of days go camping where there's no signal. So I remember in 2020 when it was lockdown and um, things were open, and then whom of you remember, you went to the beach, and then they said you can't? Yeah, that was lacquer. So we were in Bavian's clue of camping, and there was no signal, and uh, the guy that came up to take away the trash every morning came up with his little scooter. It's like, oh, did you guys hear about the um, adjusted regulations, COVID regulations? Like, no. 
Um, so I had to go down, find signal to find out what the adjusted regulations are so that we could make new arrangements for church that was also lacquered. But it was so good just to be beyond technology. Um, I enjoy technology a lot, but it's also a, a little bit of a distraction in my life. My phone has been broken now for almost two months. That makes a big difference in my life, I um, just want to say. Um, but then my backup phone also doesn't work, so that then just caused frustration. So anyway, but um, when um, you guys are thinking about your year, you're thinking about the, the space where we're in right now, some of you are almost in holiday mode. Schools are closing soon, right? In two weeks, okay, campus are closing. You guys are excited. This morning I was preaching at our morning service and saying to them, guys, it's almost holiday. And the parents are like, yeah, our kids are going to be at home. <laughs> and some of the people are like, can we drop our kids at kids' church, go to the movies and pick them up off the church? All right? And we sometimes feel like that. Like even though children add joy to your life, sometimes you want to break from them. Um, sometimes you want to break from your partner or your spouse, right? Never. <laughs> My wife's not here because she's going to visit her mother. It's got nothing to do with me. Okay. <laughs> but um, when you are in a conversation with someone, okay, what is one of the first things that you talk about? What do you say to each other? How are you? What's your name? Come on. You're good people. You're friendly people. All right? And then what do people normally say? Like, hey, how's it going? Good in you, yeah? How's it going? It's busy. It's busy. How many of you feel like that? How many of you have said that to someone today? <laughs> All right. So I've tried to intentionally take that language out of my vocabulary because I don't want that to drive my mind space and my way of living to constantly be busy. But here's the reality. We are <laughs> kind of busy. How many of you have a full-time job? Praise God. <laughs> All right? Whom of you have friends? Praise God. Whom of you have hobbies? Whom of you have no hobbies? <laughs> don't raise your hand for stuff like that. Guys, come on. There's places where you don't raise your hand in church. Okay, you raise your hand when they hand out chocolates. <laughs> okay, whom of you want a chocolate? I'm not handing out chocolates. <laughs> but if you've got all of these elements as part of your life, your life's going to be pretty full. And that's normal. You're going to be busy. So when you want to schedule an appointment to see someone, you've got to go to your calendar and you've got to find space. We've got to make space for people. This weekend for me has been busy. Um, I don't, sometimes I say yes to stuff and then I don't always know why. I couldn't say no to preaching tonight. Um, I tried and then no one wanted to preach. But I, I taught at one of our Linwood churches on Friday. Then Saturday we, we had spiritual family and victory training. So I was teaching there. This morning I was teaching, after teaching I was preaching, then I was teaching, and now I'm preaching. Um, yeah, that's my weekend. How's your weekend? Good? Like, uh, nice. Who <laughs> I mean, of you slept in this morning? <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's part of life that sometimes we'll be busy, but I do want to differentiate between being busy and a constant state of busyness. A constant state of busyness. So there's a space where you and I can be caught in a constant state of busyness, being hurried, being in a rush, being frantic, playing catch up to life. All right, you're just trying to get through all your relationships, trying to get through all your work. Never mind some of the projects at home. 
Um, we recently painted our bedroom, and they painted over our bedroom door with an enamel paint, which is cool because then you can wipe stuff off when it gets dirty. But now the enamel paint was making the door wider than it should have been, and now it doesn't go into the dirkusain. So now I had to sand the, dirkus, the, the door so that it can close again, but now there's like this unpainted part of the, the door. So my wife said, and she's clever, she said, get the people who painted the house just to quickly come and paint the door. I'm like, no, man, I'll go buy paint. I'll do it. And she's like, mm-hmm, it's going to take five weeks. It's not been five weeks, Richard. It's been two or three, right? So we've still got time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm just waiting for Richard to do it. <laughs> so um, we're playing catch up. We're anxious. Um, we're worried, we are restless, we're rushed, we're overwhelmed, and we don't always have a lot of peace. And, and that's what we're going to be speaking into throughout the next couple of weeks, is what does rest look like? Now, Hebrews 4 verse 9, and this is good news, says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. There is a rest that belongs to the people of God. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is constantly at peace. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You are the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And just in this very moment, I pray that you'll also come and minister and make known and manifest your peace to us. Your word says that we shouldn't be anxious about anything but in all things, through prayer and supplication, make our requests known to you so that the peace of God that transcends our understanding would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you'll come and teach us to walk in your rhythms of life, to walk in your peace. Amen. Amen. So the goal is to discover what rest looks like, to discover what it means for you and me, what the benefits of it is, and then also obviously how to do it. Whom of you would like to know how to rest? Whom of you would like a five-point plan towards rest? Okay? All right, take out your notebook. Write in it my five-point plan. And then you write down, we'll get to it later. That's week five. Okay. So I'm going to read for you from the book. Um, and this is not a marketing ploy. He just says stuff really so well. And I'm also not getting any royalties from the book. Um, but I want to read from chapter two. If I can get there. So chapter two, a bit of art history. And that's also our theme for tonight. It starts with a, a poetic reading. I did overtime, working is such a, bl a blind, got some money to spend, living for the weekend. When it gets too much, I live for the rush, got some money to spend, living for the weekend. Yeah, I've been working all week and I'm shot. Yeah, I've been working all week, for what? Just living for the weekend. Living for the weekend by Hart Fye. So Pastor Adam writes and he says, if rest is an art, this chapter is art history. I know, I know, you want me to tell you exactly how to take a break. Just give me the goods. I get that because I'm like that. 
But if we don't take a moment to understand why we rest, then we won't be any better when we rest. After all, if you're anything like me, you need convincing to even take a rest as a regular part of life. That's not me. Rather than an optional extra after everything else gets done, which it never does, turn the page. So we need to learn to want to rest before we get to how to rest. Therefore, this chapter will admittedly be the least practical, but possibly the most important. Why? Because rest is different than you probably think, and more important than you probably imagined. Rest is different than you probably think, and it's more important than you've probably imagined. So when I say, hey, let's take a break, let's rest, many of us will think about different things. Um, Ethan will think about sleeping in and playing um, Call of Duty. Oh, that's your normal daily life. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot. (laughs) But if we think about rest, we think about different things. Some of you, it's like, man, I just need to get a day off. Some of you need to play golf. Some of you don't, shouldn't play golf (laughs) to rest. (laughs) It doesn't work out well when you play golf. Um, Some of you need to get outdoors and be in nature. Some of you need to be with people. Some of you need to be away from people. Some of you need to go somewhere. Some of you just need to be alone in your house. Some of you need to work on projects. Some of you need to stop working on projects. But rest will look different. But rest is also different to what we might think it is. You see, you can take a three-month holiday. Whom of you would like that? It's fully paid, by the way, all right? And you can go on a three-month holiday and still not enter into the art of rest. You can stop working completely and still not discover the rest that the Bible promises, the rest that belongs to the people of God. You can be in a very busy season of your life. You can get married soon and still live from God's rest because the rest doesn't have so much to do with the season or the place where you find yourself in. So, now for us to understand the importance of rest, there's obviously a lot of stuff that you guys can think about. Some of you might have heard about the term Sabbath, And in your heart, you might be, yeah, but I'm not under the old covenant. We don't believe in those things anymore. Or you might say, okay, but is it a Saturday? Is it a Sunday? I can't take a Saturday. I'm working on a Saturday. And I can't take a full Sunday because I have to be at church and I'm volunteering on Sunday. And it's like, which day is it? And what should we do? And what shouldn't we do? Let's just pause, breathe in, hold it. Now I get to speak. (laughs) Okay, breathe out. (laughs) We'll pause on all of the detail. And we'll get to some of it. But for now, I want us to spend some time discovering why rest is so important. So in the beginning, God had a very specific rhythm, right? God had a specific rhythm. And, it, and He invites us into His rhythm of life. And in the Bible, it speaks a lot about God's Sabbath rest. So for now, I'm going to leave you with a short idea or an explanation or a definition of what Sabbath is. It's a time of rest that is holy, separate, dedicated to the Lord. It is a time that is given to God to receive refreshment from God. All right? So you've got that. So we'll pause on that definition for now, and then we'll unpack it over the next couple of weeks. But in the beginning, Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3, we, we see that God rested from creating so I'll read it for us from, one, from verse 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on, 
and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So why did God rest after he created? Whom of you have done a DIY project at home and you were tired afterwards? Imagine creating the world so God rested because he is tired. No. <laughs> God didn't rest because he was tired. He didn't rest because he was anxious. He didn't rest because he was restful, restless. What did God say after creation? It is good. He looked at man and he said, it is very good. I don't know what he saw, but he said, it's very good. God rested because he was satisfied with what he had made. There was a joy and exhilaration from what he had made. Now, what did God do before he created the world? He was bored. No. <laughs> Jesus tells us that before the foundation of the world, him and the Father were in loving union with one another. There was a joyful union, a loving union, a peaceful union, an enjoyment within the Trinity from which God created. So from rest, restful union, God created the universe and then he created us in his own image, in his own design. So our default design is to live in restful union with our creator. So we see this in the Bible, in the story of, in the, in the garden where God created the world and he entrusted ownership of it to people and said, govern the earth, rule over the earth, and then God would visit them in the garden, where God would physically come and walk with them and be among them and talk with them and have fellowship and unity with them. And that would have been great, right? How long did that last? One chapter, great, well done, humans. <laughs> so sin entered into the world and the separation took place. Then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, a large part of it is God um, orchestrating the restoration of union with his people. God reaching out to people to restore union with him. Restful, loving, joyful union. So we read in the Bible that God created the temple. So we'll speak about the time temple. So God is everywhere. Okay? Some of you think God is only in church. And therefore you sometimes don't come to church because you don't want to meet with God. At least waiting for you at home. <laughs> God is omnipresent, right? So God is everywhere. But still, God created a temple. So there was a temple that the people would visit to have special union and communion with God. Now, there were a lot of rituals that they had to go through in order to make themselves presentable so that they can enter into the temple. There were certain sacrifices that need to be made so that they can visit with God in a very unique way. So even though God is everywhere, He visited His people in the temple in a very unique and special way. So they would go to the temple, visit with God, have union with God, and then go on with their lives. Now today, we don't have to go to a temple, a church, a building to worship God. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell down, and you and I, people of God, actually become the temple of God. So God now, through His Spirit, resides within the people of God. Friends, that is huge. We just spoke about this God who created everything from His words. He's holy, He's perfect, He's pure, He's righteous. And He chooses to live inside of us. 
I think it's quite important that you and I take care of our temple, (laughs) what comes in and what goes out, because God lives in the temple, which is us. Now, you can have the temple of, you can have the presence of God residing inside of you when you are born again, but you can still never spend time with Him. You could have access to God all the time, but still never really have deep fellowship with Him. You can, you can neglect spending time in the time temple. And the reason is there are certain enemies to rest. And the first one, I'm going to touch on three, and we'll keep on unpacking them throughout the next couple of weeks. But the first one is, I am what I do. So when you meet someone, the first thing you ask them is, what is your name? Remember we spoke about this. You guys are a friendly church. Ask people their names. Then, what do we ask normally? What do you do? Or how are you? (laughs) What do you do? Because in society, what you do and what you have equals identity. So you do not just do something, you are something. And when what you do is directly um, linked towards who you are, you will give yourself towards the very thing that you do because that defines who you are. Now, if God asks of you to stop doing, then for you it feels like God is asking of you to stop being. Who am I? I cannot stop. I cannot stop doing something because then I have no identity. But that is not the gospel. There is an identity that belongs to the people of God way before we've done anything. And we see this in the original design, in the original story, where God created man after his own image. Then only, then only did he give them a task to do. We see this model through the life of Jesus, where the Spirit of God ascended onto Jesus when he got baptized, and the voice of the Father, before he stepped into the wilderness to be tested, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There is an identity that belongs to you that is not linked to what you do or what you have. But it's opposite to what society tells you. So you work as a burger flipper in Burger King. This next person works as a lawyer. We deem a different value to people based on what they do or what they have or what they drive or where they live or what they wear. But God does not work like that. And when we still find our identity in what we do, we'll struggle to rest. The second one is God has given me too much to do. God has given me too much to do. I cannot rest because God has given me too much to do. You are not that important. You are important. You are valuable. But you're not that important. Friends, God does not need us. God did not need you when he created the world. God does not need you. But he chooses to to work and to co-work with us. And God does entrust certain things to us. But you and I cannot save anyone. You and I cannot stop injustices from happening. Yes, we can we can have our we have our role to play, but there are certain things that is beyond your and my ability. We are not that important that you that God has entrusted so much to you that you cannot afford to stop, that you cannot afford to rest. 
And I think sometimes we fall into this trap as well where even what we do for God acts as a validation for us before God. So if I do things for God, then God will love me. If I do things for God, then God will bless me. If I do things for God, then He will answer my prayers. And again, that's not the gospel. You see, God invites us into a relationship with Him because of Him initiating it. He steps into our lives. He redeems us. He saves us. He calls us His children. He allows us into His presence. He allows us to come and sit at His table. We haven't done anything. It's all because of Him. And then from that space of being secure in our relationship with God, yes, we obey. Yes, we step out in faith. Yes, we do the things that God has asked us to do. But He's not asked you to save the world. I struggle with this sometimes. And I shared with someone, um, I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it's someone in this room. Um, and, and I said, I think it was with Andre and Marielle. Um, but I shared with them that sometimes we're trusting God for specific leaders in certain areas so that there's a space where you can also focus on other things that God has maybe called you to do. And sometimes you're overwhelmed and you're like, um, I don't know if we'll find the right people. And you get to love the people in the church um, most of them, um, I'm joking. <laughs> you get to really love the people in church um, and, and thinking about the church, all of you guys and girls, just thinking that, oh God, there's a great weight of leadership. Um, and, and sometimes that weight is, there's a space where it weighs heavy thinking that if, if you were to go somewhere else, God, what are you going to do? And, and I think Andre just gently said, God doesn't really need you. <laughs> Very gently and loving, and it's so true. God doesn't really need me. Um, he said something that was so insensitive. He said, you could walk across the street and be hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> but it's true. And then we make a plan because God is sovereign. God is in control. We are not that important. And then the last one, if I stop, life just won't work out. And, and this is where we, we still try to play God over our own lives, where we are still in control and we, start to, we try to build our own places of rest, whether it is your relationship, whether it is your bank balance, whether it is your bucket list of travel places you still want to go visit, whether it is your um, ideal place of living, your white picket fenced house in an estate where you don't have to worry about anything, whatever it might be, there's a, a place where you build for yourself a false um, idea of rest or a false heaven. And the, the reality is you never get there. You see, sometimes you might say, I'm just in a busy season of my life right now and if I can just focus on my studies, then I'll devote more time to God. If I can just get my career going, I'll devote more time to God. I just got promoted, so I just want to make sure that I'm stewarding this new job well and then I'll give more time to God. Um, oh, God has entrusted me now to lead a department, and I just want to make sure that I do this well, and, and then I'll devote more time to God. And oh, they sent me now on a training course to be a better leader at work, and just want to finish this well, and then I'll devote more time to God. I just want to get married, and then I'll devote more time to God. I just want to get my children, and then I'll devote more time to God. I just want to make sure my children go through primary school and all the sports and stuff that goes with it, and then I'll really give my... I just want to get my kids through high school. I just want to help them get married. Just want to help them get set up. I've got grandchildren. <laughs> I died. 
Friends, you never arrive at that false heaven that you and I try to create. And whatever it is that you are putting in front of you to give a satisfaction to your soul, it will never satisfy. It's like Jesus said to the woman at the well, you come and drink from this well, but you remain thirsty. And as long as we are looking to the things of the world to satisfy a desire in your soul, you will always remain thirsty the next morning. But Jesus, come and drink from me. And then you will never thirst again because streams of living water will start to bubble up inside of you. And that's the promise. Rest is about who rules. Rest is about who rules. In Exodus 28 verse 11 it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. The men shall not throw out the trash and they shall not grow, um, cut the grass. Oh, that's not in there. Just <laughs> Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. For in six days, who made the heavens and the earth? The Lord. Not me. I struggle to find my name there. <laughs> you and I are not the creators, friends. You and I are not in control. And we can relinquish that burden. We can release that burden that we have to be the ones who are in control. Rest is about who rules. And when you and I step out and we make a decision to rest, we are stepping into agreement that God rules, not you and me. Sometimes I want to rule, <laughs> often, because I think that I can dictate the outcome. So I can wake up very early. I can wake up at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock and start working. And then um, I'll say, God, let me just finish this thing. And then after I've done this thing, then we'll spend lacquer time together. And then I have to take a shower. Then I have to drive because I'm late for a meeting. And then it's evening. Anyone can relate? God, I'll get to you later. <laughs> Five years later. <laughs> Because we think that we are able to accomplish more than God can. God is able to do more in five minutes than you and I are able to do in five years. But as long as we choose to rule, we will never see God ruling in our lives. He will not impose Himself into your life. He allows you to make your own decisions. But as long as you and I try to remain in control, we will not see God being able to do things that only He can do. Rest is about who rescues. So in the last book of the Torah, in Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do no, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Often we are very judgmental towards people who rest or who do less than us because we don't offer ourselves time to rest. 
at work, when there's people who do not work overtime all the time, they're lazy because they're not working as hard as you. In church, if they're not serving as much as you, if they're not as faithful as you with everything, then you are probably more holy than they are. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the two commands are pretty similar. The one speaks about God creating the heavens and the earth. And here in verse 15, it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that you brought yourself out of there. Who brought you out of Egypt? The Lord brought you out of Egypt. You see, rest is about who rescues. And regardless of where you find yourself, you are not your own rescuer. Your job is not your rescuer. Your partner, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your children are not your rescuers. Your holiday is not your rescuer. (laughs) You quitting your job is not your rescuer. God is your rescuer. When you find yourself at a place of being anxious, overwhelmed, in need, God is your rescuer. He is the one who brings us out of Egypt. And when we rest, we get in agreement with the truth that God is my rescuer. And then the last one, rest is about regaining and refreshing. Again, I want to read from the book. I had a bookmark and it was not there at all. So rest is about regaining and refreshing. So he writes and says, and this is his wife speaking to him. You were not pleasant to be around tonight, she said. (laughs) That's nice. I was a little miffed upon hearing these words, but actually I'd been a little miffed all day. My wife was cleaning up after dinner. I just put the kids to bed and she needed to confront me. You act like the kids and I are getting in your way, like we're a burden to you. You were short-tempered with them at dinner, unkind to me, and you need to know that it's not okay. I didn't have much to say because I knew she was right. I apologized and the conversation turned more fruitful, but it took me a few days to reflect on why exactly this happens. Why do I become so short-fused with my family but have more grace with my church? Why does my daughter needing help with homework bother me more than a staff member calling me for help with their work? Then it dawned on me. I was getting my refreshment from my work and it was turning me against my family. So rest is about regaining and refreshing. When we choose to rest, we allow God to fill our tanks and we resist all of the other things in life that try to feed our souls but never can satisfy. So we regain our own consciousness with God. We regain our own being with God and we allow the God of all creation to refresh us. There's a a great place of, of reward and joy when you and I step into loving union with your Creator because that is your created design. You and I were created from restful, joyful, loving union for restful, joyful, loving union with God and with one another. And it's when we break rest 
where we start to break relationship with God and with people. And then all of these things, all of these anxieties, you see, if you are not getting your sustenance from God, if you are not being refreshed by God, you will drink from a different well. It might be the well of work where you start to neglect your family. It might be the well of binge-watching series where you become numb. It might be alcohol. It might be um, pornography. But you will go towards something. And whenever we turn to something that is not God, it is a sin. And sin has only one agenda and outcome for your life, which is death. It has only one agenda, friends, and that's to destroy. So when you and I neglect to rest, we are deliberately choosing to destroy ourselves. Rest is most probably different than what you and I think it is. But it's also definitely much more important than what we think it is. You can come up. Thank you. So I'm going to take you just through like a quick sneak peek into what the rest of the series is going to be about. Next week, we'll speak about rest, um, allowing, remembering. Rest allows remembering. In the story where God brought the people out of Egypt and He gave them certain ordinances that they needed to follow, and part of this was to remember that the Lord their God is God and that He brought them out of Egypt, that He is God, He is sovereign, He is the rescuer. Um, and then they would slowly start to forget. And then what happened ultimately, that they come, started to follow after other gods, started to serve other gods, started to become like the pagan nations to the extent that God had to allow them to be overthrown by other nations so that they would ultimately return to Him. And in that process, the temple got destroyed. You see, when we do not know what is at stake, when we forget, we will not prioritize to remember. We need to create time to remember who God is, to remember what He has done. That'll be our focus for next week. And like Anya said on the 20th, we are not having church as normal. And we want to create intentional time to rest. And I want to encourage you, if you have the ability to get out of town, get out of town. Monday is a public holiday. Go somewhere. Get out of your normal busy rhythm of life. Go and do something to rest. Go away with family or friends and go and do something to rest. Get out of your normal rhythm of busyness and rest. If you are not able to go away, then we will have a fellowship time here at the venue. At, um, and it'll be a combined time with the morning and the evening service. So we won't have a five o'clock service. We also won't have a nine o'clock service. We'll have a 10 o'clock um, time of caring together. Now for the power team here, you guys pitch up at three o'clock. The morning guys pitch up at six. So they're like, hallelujah. <laughs> but just to create a time of prioritizing relationships. See, God has created us for loving union with Him but also for relationship with one another. You can be so busy in life and come to church every Sunday, but not have loving union with your Creator. You can be so part of uh, busy with life and church that you don't even have loving union with the people around you. So part of the 20th is to create intentional time to rest and to build relationship. So if you're able to go away, go away. Take people with you. Get out of the city. Get out of your normal rhythm. If you are here, we're going to have a great time of fellowship 
and relationship here. Not five o'clock, not nine o'clock, two fives, it's 10 o'clock. I can't leave, I can't do this. <laughs> then the following week, rest is resistance. You see that the, the Israelites were under a slave driver called Pharaoh in Egypt. And many times we find ourselves under a slave driver called work, relationships, um, finances, or maybe even just yourself. And during that sermon, we're going to speak about resisting the culture that we do live in. Because if we're not aware of it, you will be taken with the culture. Um, but God has called us towards a different rhythm of life that looks different to the rhythms of the world. Then the next week, rest restores relationship with God and with one another. You see, sometimes we are so busy um, doing things that God did not command us to do that we neglect the things that God has commanded us to do, like prioritizing rest, but also loving God and loving people. We get so busy that we don't have time to spend with God. We get so busy that we don't have time for people where God has placed people in your heart, but you don't have time to get to them. We don't prioritize um, building into one another's lives or reaching out to those who don't know Christ because we're so busy with other stuff. But rest allows us to, uh, restores relationship. And then the last chapter, this is where you can bring your notebook along as well. Starting to stop. Starting to stop. We will take some practical points towards how do we live from from rest um, and then to experience the joyful union, the loving union that God has intended for all of us. Because there is a rest that belongs to the people of God. Let's close our eyes. So just as your eyes are closed and just as you're reflecting, not sharing tonight from a place where I'm a, a rest expert. Um, in many areas of my life, I'm a rest failure, and I often have to go back to God and say, God, I'm missing it. But I'm trying to learn from Him. I'm asking Him to teach me His rhythms, to show me where I need to stop trusting in myself. asking Him to show me how. And then there's this invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11 where He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus' invitation for you tonight. That there is a rest that is available to the people of God. It's not found in anything you can do, but it's found in coming to Him. Come to me if you are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. reflect on that for yourself for a moment where do you find yourself 
Are you in a place where you are asking God for this type of rest that He promises? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Bible says that there is a rest that belongs or remains for the people of God so it is not for everyone the Bible is is clear that there is no rest for the wicked the Bible also says that there is no rest for the lazy but there is a rest that belongs to the people of God for those who are willing to come to him you just in this moment just respond to him if you are like me and you struggle to pause and to stop if you struggle to trust God because you're afraid that if you don't do it it won't get done if you don't do it it won't get done right if you don't do it it won't work out If you don't put in the effort, God won't provide. If you're not working hard, then God won't bring the breakthrough. Won't you come to Him in this moment? And He's inviting you. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Won't you just have a moment with Him where you exchange your burden for His, your yoke for His. Let Him put His restful hand on your shoulder right now. It's not weighty. And I pray that as you just respond to Jesus in this moment to come to Him, that you will actually feel the weight of the Holy Spirit that you will feel the weight of the Holy Spirit, but it's not a burden. His restful hand on you right now. For my burden is light. My yoke is easy. While you're just in your moment, just spending time with Jesus, I want to create an invitation for you tonight that If you are here and you are not sure that you are born again, that your life belongs to God, that you've made a decision to to surrender your life to Jesus, then the rest we're speaking about will be beyond reach for you because it is not something that you and I can earn or achieve. It's a gift that belongs to the people of God. But tonight Jesus is asking you, would you come and follow me? Would you come to me? And if you're here tonight and you say, I need to make my life right with God. I need to surrender my life to Jesus tonight. Why don't you just to quickly raise your hand and you can put it down again.
there's a song that I was listening to just from our Abide series. And I want to read a, a chorus from it. It says, Stay close, don't let go. For the seed I plant brings peace that always grows. Stay close, don't let go. Abide in me. Stay close. Don't let go, for the seed I plant brings peace that always grows. Stay close. Don't let go. Abide in me. Father, we thank you that you are inviting us into a different rhythm of life. I thank you, Lord, that we do not need to go with the flow and just with the systems and the structures of society around us. We do not need to be formed by the culture we live in, Lord. You've called us to a different way of living. And you promise that there is a rest that remains for the people of God. And we ask, would you come and teach us how? Would you help us, Lord, to continually come to you? And you can give us rest and speak into our idols, Lord, over the next couple of weeks. Come and help us to let go of things that we need to let go of. Teach us to trust you. Teach us to rest. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm expecting for the next couple of weeks, and, and like I said, this series makes maybe more sense uh, towards the end of the year when you are going on holiday. But like I said earlier, the rest that the Bible speaks about has got nothing to do with how busy your life is or the season you find yourself in or the location you find yourself in. You can be on a beach in the Maldives, would be nice, but still not rest. And God is going to teach us to rest even in the midst of life. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. And here's my challenge to you. If you and I who are in church and who know Jesus struggle to rest, how much more people who don't know Jesus? So won't you this week trust God to invite someone along on this journey of discovering the art of rest?